Hello, and welcome to In Conversation with the Lancet HIV. I'm Peter Hayward, Editor-in-Chief. And in the September edition, we'll be talking to Andreas Jan of the Malawi Ministry of Health and Nelly Wadonda-Kabondo of the US CDC in Lilongwe, Malawi. They're going to be talking to me about a piece of research looking at Malawi's impressive march towards achieving UNAIDS 95-95-95 targets. But before we get to Nelly and Andreas, I'd like to draw your attention to to some other pieces in this month's issue. Our editorial this month is on the vital importance of PEPFAR and global health. We have an article reporting a trial of an intervention to support people with HIV who use opioids in St. Petersburg, Russia, and a viewpoint that assesses the prospects for reaching global HIV control. But now we'll speak to Andreas and Nelly about their paper on trends in HIV prevalence and incidence in adults in Malawi. We did have some connection issues during the recording of this podcast, so please forgive us if the sound is of slightly variable quality. Hi there, Nelly, and hello, Andreas. First off, could you begin by giving a little bit of background on the HIV epidemic in Malawi, Andreas? Thank you so much. Yes, as I wanted to give you a bit of background about the demographics of Malawi, just I think as it, it's, a, it's an important um, background to the epidemic. Uh, so Malawi is a fa- fairly small country in southern Africa. It borders uh, Tanzania, Zambia, Mozambique. It has a rapidly growing population. Uh, we've reached 21 million in 2023. Um, about half of the population is under 18. Most people live in, in rural areas from subsistence farming. Uh, but we have a pretty rapid urbanization going on as well. So the three major cities and the surrounding areas are projected to grow very rapidly in the next few years. Um, about 70% of Malawi's population live below the poverty line. So that's less than $2.15 per day. So it's a, it's a very poor um, rural population overall. Um, just like other countries in sub-Saharan Africa, Malawi relies on mathematical models for um, estimation of, of uh, HIV epidemi- uh, epidemiological uh, numbers. Uh, such as Spectrum and Naomi. And so for this overview, uh, I will also just give you the latest model projections. Uh, of course, these model estimates are strongly influenced by the uh, the two fear surveys that we've had. Uh, so we're currently estimating about 1 million people living with HIV um, amongst these 21 million population in total. And Malawi ranks uh, amongst the 10 countries with the highest HIV burden in the, in the world still. In terms of the the epidemic development, um, so already by the early 1990s, HIV had reached a hyperepidemic level with sustained transmission in the general population in all districts in the country. Uh, We had an initial peak of around 930,000 in uh, 2000, and the total population started to to decline uh, due to the steep decline in new infections that started in 1992 and the AIDS death wave that peaked before the start of treatment scale-up in 2004. NRT scale-up extended life expectancy very rapidly, and the number of AIDS deaths declined faster than the number of new infections in, uh, from 2007. And so this resulted in a renewed growth of the HIV population, uh, reaching a maximum of about 1.02 million around 2020. At that time, actually, um, ART coverage amongst all uh, HIV-infected adults, so that's 15 plus, had reached 86%. And in 2021, the number of new infections was almost equal to the number of AIDS deaths, marking the point of epidemic control. Since then, the epidemic has started to contract slowly, 
with an annual um, uh, average decline of about 0.6% uh, projected also for the next 10 years. Um, the total uh, population of um, people living with HIV in Malawi has remained rel relatively um, stable over the last decade. And so prevalence amongst adults is currently at 7.7%. Uh, it's significantly higher amongst women at 9.3% compared with men at 6%. Uh, and the sustained prevalence decline from 2020-15 onwards was mainly explained by the uh, exponential population growth. So it's a dilution effect. Um, Malawi's population doubled between 1990 and 2020, and it's projected to increase by another 29% to reach 25 million by 2030. In terms of the distribution of um, the epidemic in the country, PLHIV are highly concentrated in the densely populated south, in urban centers and surrounding areas. And the prevalence ranges, ranges from 3 to 8% in the less populated districts in the northern and central regions. Uh, so it goes from 12 to 17% in the densely populated uh, districts and in the southern region in the four cities. About 95% of all infected people are adults. 72% uh, are in the reproductive age group, 15 to 49. And only 5% actually were adolescent girls and young women. So females, 15 to 24 and about 5% of children. Malawi conducted um, several uh, key population surveys between 2011 and 2021, uh, covering most districts in all three regions, and they have helped to estimate the uh, populations of uh, female sex workers, MSM, uh, transgenders, and uh, people with injecting drug use. Although the absolute size of these uh, KP groups is significantly smaller than the general population, uh, the prevalence of HIV in all these groups is higher, and so therefore the management of, of HIV in these groups and prevention efforts um, are very significant to the uh, the future of the epidemic. You mentioned in your response there that uh, Malawi has implemented the population-based HIV impact assessments, or FEARS as they're known. Can you uh, explain what these surveys are and, and how they're done? Yes, certainly. Um, so the FEAR surveys are a very important tool for us for measuring the impact primarily of the HIV treatment and prevention programs in the in the PEPFAR program. Um, so uh, Malawi is one of the several, of course, um, countries with the, a heavy PEPFAR support. So the U.S. Centers of Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, uh, works in 46 countries and FEAR surveys have been conducted in 17 of them. The combination of CDC's scientific expertise and technical know-how, as well as the strong partnership with the Ministry of Health, has enabled us to have a more powerful impact in the fight against HIV, of course. And so these unique capabilities uh, help to foster an effective partnership with the government of Malawi in, in implementing innovative programs uh, to identify and treat people living with HIV and to prevent new infections. The Malawi FIAS uh, survey, uh, surveys were implemented to measure the reach of our programs that are implemented collaboratively, collaboratively um, and with other partners. FIAS surveys are nationally representative cross-sectional surveys with the two-stage cluster sampling design. Uh, the studies are funded uh, by PEPFAR through, through CDC. Uh, they were designed to estimate the national HIV incidence and uh, subnational ART coverage, viral load suppression, behavioral, and other indicators. Um, as I said, they have been implemented in about 17 countries with generalized epidemics, uh, following a very similar protocol. And of course, that's very uh, advantageous as it makes the results from different surveys uh, easily comparable and, and different countries easily comparable. 
And Malawi is actually one of the seven countries only that have completed a second FIA already. Uh, so just in terms of the design, uh, these are very large population-based household surveys. In Malawi, we stratified uh, seven geographic strata uh, that were aligned with the five uh, health service zones. Uh, but we decided to oversample the longer in Blantyre City as they are known areas with uh, elevated HIV burden. Within each of the seven strata, the established census enumeration areas were sampled. And then within each of those areas, approximately 35 households were randomly selected to be surveyed. We included adults and children in the 2015 fear, but only adults in the um, second survey. And that decision was made based on the challenges we've had in the, in the first survey. So firstly, uh, children have a very low HIV prevalence, so it takes a very large sample to estimate any um, even prevalence with any degree of precision. Um, and then, of course, we've also had some challenges with lower participation rates amongst children in the first survey. Uh, so the decision was taken uh, to uh, make it more feasible and also to, to preserve some cost to exclude children from the second survey. Uh, in terms of implementation, all adults uh, who were de facto household members uh, who provided informed consent were interviewed uh, were interviewed and provided a blood sample for the biomarker testing. It was important to us to ensure that all HIV tests and clinically relevant biolog results were returned to the survey participants to facilitate access to appropriate care without delay. In terms of the actual field work, the data was collected by trained enumerators and uh, staff to collect the blood samples. Uh, and it was collected using uh, tablets. Um, information was collected about in a household form and about the uh, individual household members. All individual participants are asked about self-reported HIV status, exposure to HIV care and prevention services, services including uh, male circumcision, uh, HIV testing and counseling, and some behavioral risk factors. They were then tested for HIV uh, at their homes using the standard rapid testing protocol uh, with a standard pre-test and post-test counseling. Persons identified as HIV positive were provided their test results uh, right there at the household and offered a referral to for care and treatment um, for those not already on treatment and uh, offered a, a support with linkage to care services. Everything was conducted in a private location in and around the home uh, to protect the participants' confidentiality. Uh, in terms of the lab work, specimens were sent to the lab for the and load testing, and those results were then returned to the participants' uh, clinic of choice. Great, thank you. That was uh, very comprehensive, and uh, just another uh, sort of great example of the uh, you know, contribution that PETFAR has has made um, in, in setting up these studies and gathering this data so that's sort of comparable across the countries where the fears are done. So. Um, I think we'll skip now to talking about the paper of yours, which is published in the September 2023 issue of The Lancet HIV. In your study, you've compared the results of the beers from uh, the 2015-2016 survey and the 2020-21 survey. Could you perhaps explain what you found in your study? And uh, were there notable changes in the key HIV outcome measures? So comparing the surveys, I would start by saying in 2014, the Joint United Nations Program on HIV AIDS set the goal of ending the epidemic or HIV AIDS epidemic by 2030 through an achievement of testing and treatment targets. 
As a measure of progress by 2025, these targets call for 95% of all people living with HIV to be aware of their status. 95% of those aware of their status to be on antiretrovirus therapy or treatment. And 95% of those on ART to achieve viral suppression. Marawi's attainment of these targets for both services stood at 77, 91, 91 for the first year, which means that 77% uh, of those people living with HIV were aware of their HIV status in 2015-2016. And 91% of those that were aware were on ART. And 91% of those that were on ART had uh, virally suppressed. These uh, achievements in 2020-2021 stood at 88, 98, and 97%, meaning that awareness to of HIV status increased from 77% to 88%. And the uh, coverage of ART increased from 91% to 98%, so that those that were aware, 98% of those that were aware of their HIV status were actually on ART. And 97% of those that were aware and were also on ART had the virus had attained virus suppression, which was a great achievement and uh, above the targets of 95-95. That is for the the second and the third ninety. And but between the surveys, we also observed significant decrease in the HIV prevalence from ten point six percent to eight point nine percent, which was a good thing for the country. We also noted that uh, this was likely due to decrease in instance in young people due to the growth of the general population and the aging of people living with HIV who are on ART. Though not statistically significant, another finding was an indication that the annual HIV instance was decreasing among adults living with HIV. We observed that the instance decreased from 0.37% to 0.22%. This uh, observation is very consistent with the epidemiological model estimates, which are mainly informed by the observed prevalence in the general population and the pregnant women. The population viral load levels also increase the suppression, I should say the suppression of viral load at population level. So this is just looking at uh, among those that uh, have HIV status in the population, not thinking of whether they are on ART or not, just getting a sample of those. We noted that viral suppression increased from 68.3% in the first MFIA in 2015-2016 to 87% in 2020-2021. This is a huge achievement for Malawi because if you look at, just looking at this, you can see that Malawi has surpassed 
the 90, 90, 90 targets or 95, 95 targets, just looking at population level with an achievement of the 87% viral suppression rates. Yeah, I mean, the findings in your study seem very positive. And yeah, you've achieved the, the viral suppression goal for the 95, 95, 95 targets, but there's still a bit of bit of ground to be made in terms of uh, people knowing their HIV status. Do you have any ideas about how um, HIV programs in the country can adapt to address this this sort of remaining gap in in knowledge about their status? Right. Yeah. So I th- I think there are a number of uh, really interesting things to discuss there. So one of the first, of course, is to understand the potential biases and, and misclassification uh, in terms of uh, particularly these, these self-reported um, status outcomes, such as the knowledge of status. Mm. It's known in many population surveys that uh, people who might have been previously diagnosed who are not currently on treatment, who might have either never started or dropped out from ART, uh, might be unwilling to disclose because they feel it's uh, socially not desirable, of course, uh, that they were previously diagnosed. And so uh, we have been able in the in the FIA survey to partially adjust for that because we tested for ARVs in the presence of uh, in the in the um, patient's blood, mm-hmm. um, and so there were a number of patients were reclassified on the basis of uh, detection of of ARVs. Uh, but of course, we have to remember that uh, if somebody has either never started treatment or they have been off treatment for a, a longer period of time, uh, that test would have also not uh, detected any um, metabolites. And so in that case, it's quite likely um, that uh, a number of, uh, a certain proportion of, of patients, uh, of participants will have not disclosed the fact that they were previously diagnosed. And so I think that changes the interpretation, of course, slightly in terms of the, the relevance uh, for the for the program, as uh, it becomes a question of returning patients or starting patients on treatment who've been previously diagnosed, as opposed to diagnosing them for the first time. However, I think the programmatic implications of this finding are pretty similar either way, because the testing program is the most important gateway to treatment for both groups, actually. Uh, so both people who have never uh, been diagnosed, as well as those who've been previously diagnosed and who've never started or interrupted ART in the past. And so the FIAS survey has therefore allowed us to identify the population groups to target in the testing program, um, whether or not they were previously diagnosed is almost um, irrelevant. Um, and so it's it's quite important, I think, to uh, understand from this, the fear survey estimates, um, the biggest gaps were amongst young people, amongst men, and in some geographic areas. Uh, so it's been very helpful to to target interventions to those populations and in these areas um, to, to uh, try and close these gaps. As anticipated also, the knowledge of status was lower amongst younger people, as I said, uh, and that seems because likely the average time since uh, HIV acquisition is shorter in these people. And so it was um, useful to inform our policy for the recommended frequency of retesting in different population groups. So for example, in younger people, especially those from areas or subgroups with elevated incidence, uh, retesting needs to be more frequently um, in order to reach high proportions of knowledge of, of, of status uh, in these groups. Of course, the the testing services need to be efficient for men and youth and uh, also the pediatric population. Okay, then. So now we'll come to the final question. 
and I'd like you to sort of do a bit of a gazing into a crystal ball here. And I wonder what you might hope to see in the next in the next Malawi Shia study when, when that comes around. So looking forward, I can say that uh, we continue building on our successes. We are optimistic that we can continue to increase and sustain coverage of prevention and treatment services in all subpopulations. As we progress with our response, that means our response to HIV, we anticipate that the HIV epidemic will continue to retreat and become more and more concentrated among key population and other high-risk groups. And these groups will need to be the groups that need to be targeted. And uh, hopefully that the next MFIA should be able to target uh, these population groups. Actually, we have already started a survey that is uh, targeting the key population. We have already started planning a survey targeted the key population. The continued uh, rapid population growth and urbanization will increase the population density and the number potentially exposed to HIV in these areas dramatically over the next decade. And this may pose the single greatest challenge for maintaining epidemic control as a, as a high population viral suppression must be maintained everywhere to prevent spillover and renewed epidemic waves. And we need to be very careful and jealously guard the achievements that we have made in the, the national HIV response in Malawi. I'd like to thank Nelly and Andreas for speaking to me this month. And if you enjoyed this conversation, you might like to go all the way back to our March 2016 issue to report on progress to the 1990-90 targets in Botswana and a more recent report of outcomes of transition to Jolutegravir in Malawi. And that was published in our August 2022 issue. Well, that's all for this month. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast so that you're sure to join us next month when we'll continue the conversation. <laughs>